Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Tracy Torgerson. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Uh, go check it out, sidelinescout.com. Get yourself a poolside live setup. It's the best video replay system in the business. I just had a meet this past Thursday and uh, the visiting coach came up to me and was like, okay, what are you working with here? The clarity on the video is absolutely amazing. And she's been on many pool decks as we all have. And everybody's looking for the next best TiVo replacement. And it's here. It's poolside live again from the company sideline scout. So go check out their website, get yourself set up with, poolside live it's it's definitely the best money you can spend and it's worth every penny so excited to have tracy on here um tracy was my college coach for my first two years of college and i did a whole bunch of private lessons with her and, and just camp lessons uh in the summer times throughout my high school career so can you take us back it might have been a little ways back uh to your diving uh, and then your, your journey just through the, the sport as you were a competitor. You're already making fun of my age, Aaron. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. I, it wouldn't be right if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started diving at a young age. Uh, we lived right across the street from a municipal pool, an outdoor pool. And my mom worked a lot. So uh, I got a season past that pool. She actually sewed the season pass onto my swimsuit because I was there so often and the lifeguard stopped me how to dive and that was my first introduction to diving and from there I joined the middle school team and kept going uh, we didn't have a lot of club programs nearby we did start one I think my sophomore year of high school uh, so prior to that it was just diving in the outdoor pool and uh, diving during the high school season um, and then I got a little bit of uh, club um, club training, like my junior and senior year, like I said, uh, went on to dive at the U of M. That was my dream was to dive division one. I. I was definitely not that caliber, um, but that was my dream. So I went to the U and, co and was coached under Casey Lee, um, who I think is one of the greatest mentors in my career of all time. Um, and yeah, so I'm from St. Cloud, Minnesota, and uh, dove at you in Minnesota. So kind of a, a homebound girl. Love it. Well, before you go on, Heath, uh, I did send a little picture in our group chat between us three. We have our Central Lakes Conference meet coming up this weekend, and our swim team is really, really good. So our, our head swim coach just posted like, okay, here are the conference records all time. And the one name I saw on here was Tracy Lavoy posted a 491 back in high school. So when you say you weren't that caliber, it's really hard for me to believe that with that kind of number. So way to go. Yeah. And, you know, so I just recently converted my VHS tapes of my <laughs> diving career onto DVDs and watched some of those meets. And I will tell you, um, yeah, I'm not sure I was quite a 491, but I guess at the time, uh, I I don't know. I guess at the time they thought so. <laughs> hey, we, we all had one meet where we were overscored, am I right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, um, you know, Tracy, so now kind of walk us through the transition from athlete to coach and where you are now. 
Sure. So as I dove at the U, uh, I helped out with a lot of their club programs. And that's kind of how I started getting into coaching. You know, diving for me was, I I just, I fell in love with it. It was kind of like my second home because I lived at that outdoor pool and then continued my career from then on. And I loved diving and I, I was so passionate about it that that's how I think I fell in love with coaching was being able to share that passion with others. And um, so I started coaching the club program. And then when I graduated from the U, I moved back home and coached um, at some high school programs, um, Sock Rapids, if you're familiar in the Minnesota area, but coached at Sock Rapids and Sartell. Um, And then it was when I had, um, I was pregnant with my second child that I started coaching at St. Cloud State and um, coached there for six years. And then my husband and I had to move away. And that was probably the hardest decision of my life was having to leave St. Cloud State. can remember that meeting to this day, telling the team that I was heading out. Um, And then I took a year off of coaching because I didn't think I was ever going to be able to coach another team as much as I loved St. Cloud State. Uh, but then decided that I needed to get back into it because it, it is a part of you. It's just kind of who you are and it's how you identify with yourself. So um, I started coaching the high school team um, here in New Prague, where I live now. And then um, three years ago, I started coaching at a Division three school in St. Peter, which is about a 45 minute drive from where I live now and um, called Gustavus College. And I'm currently coaching there and our high school team. So awesome. A lot of different hats on. Okay. So one of the things that you taught me without realizing you taught it to me was humility. Um, I was not the most humble human being in the world in high school, as I'm sure not many of us are, but I was really bad. Um, the one thing that I wanted to say on this podcast that you did not mention in your coaching accolades is these incredible success you have already had. Um, back when you were coaching in Sock Rapids, uh, for those of you who don't know, in Minnesota, the top four divers from each section make it to state. Tracy was the coach of at least one, maybe two teams. She sent all four of her divers to state. <laughs> I don't know that that's ever been done. I'm sure somebody in the archives could pull it up, but that's incredible. To even have two athletes at state, unbelievable. She had all four. It was like you ran into a buzzsaw whenever you went against Sock Rapids. It was just, you're, you're going down. And Tracy was at the helm. And then on to St. Cloud State with three different national champions, uh, Chris White twice on each, or on, uh, on one meter and three meter, and then Luke Weber on three meter against Heath. So clearly <laughs> success. Love, he loves doing that. I do. I love, I love <laughs> ripping on you a little bit, That's but okay. like, it's so apparent that success just follows wherever you are. And I am so incredibly grateful for having even the briefest amount of time with you, but, uh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you and way to go. Well, thank you. Yes. Um, Okay. So I had some help from our SCSU family. I sent out, Hey, we're interviewing Tracy. What do you guys want to ask her? And then we got a whole bunch of questions back. So here are those questions. Number one, um, what are some of the most fulfilling parts of her diving and coaching career? 
Oh, so this one might make me a little bit emotional because, um, you know, I would say as a young coach, I probably identified myself on those successes, you know, being able to help my athletes accomplish those big goals of, you know, state qualifying or state championships or national qualifying, all of that. Um, I probably, you know, waved around my coach of the year titles, maybe a little too freely. And I felt like that maybe identified myself and made me, that's how I fulfilled, you know, my, my uh, career, I guess. Um, But now I would say my most fulfilling moments are when I see my athletes on the pool deck coaching. I think just being able to share my love for diving and have them turn around and continue that love is probably the most rewarding thing I've ever had as a coach, hands down, hands down. Um, and, you know, like uh, Heath, you and I were just talking before we started this podcast, but, you know, using the same language or sharing the same stories or, um, you know, using the t- same technical styles, like, that to me is, I, I just, there's nothing more that pumps up my chest than, than those moments. So that, that's awesome. And I think, I think as we, you know, I'm at least myself, as I've gotten more into the coaching world and as my career has progressed, I feel the same. Like when I was young, I was like, oh, it was really cool to be coach of the year. And now I'm like, I get more excited when I talk to my athletes and one of my athletes lives in Colorado and he's like, Oh, I have a job. I got my own apartment. And I'm like, Oh, like you're an adult. Like I was a part of that, like to get you to where you are now. And I think that's really, it's fulfilling is the perfect word for that. Um, You know, the next question that was asked is when thinking back, what moments make you feel overjoyed? Uh, You know, strangely enough, um, Aaron, you had sent me a question similar to this earlier this week, and I was thinking about it, and I actually had one of those moments happen to me this week. And, and you know, I was thinking it's those moments when you get to experience a life change in that person, you know, so your athlete, maybe they're struggling with some confidence or they're setting a goal that is darn near impossible in their mind. And you're actually helping them reach that and they get that goal. And that's it. That's the moment that you're like, this is why I do it. Right. I had um, a diver from Gustavus and she's a senior this year. She was a swimmer turned diver, no gymnastics background, no technical background. Um, Really, you know, physically not that diver just experience wise, um, you know, she just, things are harder for her and she works so hard and she's, she's on our team because of what she gives with her encouraging words and her, you know, leadership in other areas. But, you know, she came to me earlier this week and she's like, I, it's my senior year. I really want to learn a new dive. And right now she does somersaults in each, um, direction on one meter and three meter. And, we had been working on some drills to get her to do a one and a half in either back or reverse. That was our goal. And like her, she can see it and she can, you know, kind of get a hold of the idea of how to come out of a one and a half. But as soon as she gets up there, it's like her brain disconnects from her body. Right. And she just cannot get that 
that concept. And we did drill after drill after drill. And she came to me this week and she's like, I need to do it now before my brain starts interfering. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And she gets up to a three meter and I am silently praying over and over and over again. Like, let this be this moment for her, right? Like she deserves it. She is, you know, she just, I wanted it so bad for her. And you guys, she did it. And I have never seen her more excited in that moment. And I start crying and she's got her arms up in the air and she's, you know, screaming. And the whole team is just roaring. And it was the most special moment. And I walked away and I'm like, that's why I'm here. You know, that's, that's what makes this so perfect. Like just, that's why, that's why I drive an hour and a half every day (laughs) for moments like those, but just, you know, helping athletes overcome some of the hardest times of their life or what they think are the hardest times of their life. And then they make this huge gain and they're like, man, I can do this and I can carry this aspect of what I just learned in other parts of my life. And it's, that's, it's awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I, yes, I love that. It brought (laughs) me back to my time on the team with you. You know, you made us, uh, well, I shouldn't say made us, you guided us to journal every day and you could totally tell when the mood swings were up and then we were, they were down and there were months at a time where, you know, you called it the plateau. There's always a, it's a long season. You're going to have a mental plateau where you just, you just feel like you're not getting better. And then one day it'll click. And I still remember to this day, looking back freshman year at my journal, like, huh, there it was on, you know, January 2nd, I flipped my attitude around and I felt great. And that's, that's what it's all about. Um, what, uh, what in diving, what are the moments that we're going to flip it a little bit, make you the most nervous? You know, I always said that the time I stop getting nervous is when I need to retire as a coach, because I still think I get nervous for every dual meet, every championship meet, every, every time they get up on that board and like, oh, did I prepare them enough? Did I help them enough? Are they ready? Are they, you know, um, but I would say championship meets, um, you know, whether it's high school or college as a coach, you don't have a way to get that nervous energy out. And so it just builds and builds and builds. And it's so hard to control that because you have to be that sounding board for your athlete when they're so nervous. But um, I would say that's probably one of my biggest downfalls is I get really nervous all the time. Um, and I've been told I wear my emotions on my shoulders. So you can probably tell that I'm really nervous, but I try to, you know, just tell them nerves are good. Nerves are a way that your body's ready to go. And, you know, if you didn't care, you wouldn't be nervous. And it means that you care. And that's a good sign. So I get nervous all the time. All you have to do is say black Tuesday, black Tuesday. And I'm like freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) I will never be able to look at another black Tuesday without like getting nervous stomach pains and the shakes and everything. else. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. We probably should have renamed it a long time ago, but I guess another Tuesday, right? Well, well, that's, you that's know, what Clarion always called it. So I know <laughs> that's what I told Aaron, you know, when Aaron and I really started to get closer, he's like, man, black Tuesday. And I'm like, what? And I was like, what's black Tuesday. And he's like, what? 
He's like that pre-qualification <laughs> meet. And I'm like, Oh, Rovat always just told us like, Oh, you have to dive in this meet to make it in the meet, but just do what we do at practice. Like he, like every, like he, ne he never built it up to be anything stressful. And so, I mean, he was also like just such a coach where it's like, you did what Rovat told you. And so if he told you, you go do what you do at practice, you'll be fine. I'm like, okay, I'll go do what I do at practice. And somehow it always tended to work out. But so when Aaron told us that that's what other teams view it as, I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, we would have like Black Tuesday practices leading up to Black Tuesday just to try to control our nerves and the pressure right. that Black Tuesday brought. So, so yeah, we should have definitely looked at <laughs> a different angle, so, but. So, so selfishly, what were some things you would do to make your athletes nervous at those Black Tuesday practices? What were some things you did to them to, to put that on them? We do a lot of visualization. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of like prepping. Okay, this is, this is a big deal. This is, uh, according to our head coach, you get sent home if you don't make it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's now or never. So we a lot of um where we would run through our lists like mm -hmm. a competition and we practice those at least the week before which is a strategy i still use to this mm -hmm. day yep. for even high school or college um just practicing the meets to showing that consistency on being on when when you need yeah. to be on um but yeah just creating that moment and really it was the upperclassmen or the experienced divers yeah. telling the younger divers what to expect. It's, you know, it's going to be stressful. It, everyone's going to feel tense. Um, you know, you got to land on your head. You got to do it the best that you can. You're ready, but just know that this is what it's going to be like. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, jumping to the next one, I'm actually really happy that I got this question is, um, what do you think when you're trying to create a certain team dynamic? I'm fascinated to hear your answer because your teams always seemed very similar to our teams. They had a lot of fun. They were talented. And there was never a question that those St. Cloud divers got their butts kicked all year and trained just as hard as like we said at our very first podcast. Like I knew when I was getting my butt kicked by Rovat, Aaron, Luke, Chris, Tyler, were getting their butts kicked by Tracy or Kayla. <laughs> And so, yeah. so what, you know, so what do you, how do you view that creating a team dynamic and what do you look for, for from your teams? Well, I'm just going to start by saying integrity. I think you, you need to get to know the person that you're recruiting, not just for their diving skills, but for who they are all around. Because when one of my favorite things to do is to look at an athlete long before they know who I am, um, because then I can see what they're doing without knowing they're being watched. And when they show integrity, um, you know, without knowing anyone's on watching them or looking at them, you know, they're going to be a good fit for your program. And, and once you have one or two people that lead with those traits, the other crew that you, you know, once you start adding on, they mold them and they say, this is the way it works here, you know? If, if you're going to be a part of something amazing, this is how we roll. This is how we roll. So I, you know, luckily for me, so when I first walked into St. Cloud State, um, I walked into a phenomenal program. It was already established, but they were all seniors. And so I had to recruit after that year. And um, luckily for me, I recruited some of the best individuals 
I've come to know in my entire life. And they are, they were, they were people that showed integrity from the very start. And, and once you have someone like Luke Weber and Chris White show up on the pool deck, um, you know, it's the younger crew like Aaron Rooney um, who come on and say, I want to be a part of that. How do I do it? Oh, you know, I, I, I pull out the best qualities in myself and here I am. So, you know, I think, I, I don't recruit by, by calling them on the phone and saying, you know, I heard you're a phenomenal diver. A lot of times it's, Hey, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. What are your interests outside? You know, what are your, that's what I care about. (laughs) And then, and then the diving comes, comes second. So. So that's, that's really funny. You say um, that about, you know, the older classmen kind of molding the younger guys before I made kind of the, decision to come join you at St. Cloud. I remember Tyler had already made his decision and then Luke and Chris were there. So as that was going on, this was the same time the Miami heat in the basketball were they had LeBron James that just came on and they were talking about their big three. (laughs) And I just remember watching LeBron and watching these big three. And I was like, dang, this team's really good. Kind of like those St. Cloud divers. Those guys are really good. I would love to just be on that team and maybe some of that greatness will rub off a little bit onto me. And I mean, luckily that's exactly what happened. Those, I can't, I mean, the team that we had was so incredibly special. Any one of those three could have won the national title any year. And I was super jacked to, again, have some of that greatness, like just becoming an all American. Like that was a big deal for me. I know I wasn't in the same league as those guys competing for the title, but you know, I had to improve dramatically to make it to where I did. And that was, that was huge. That was so fun. Uh, Aaron, I just have to throw this out there because you mentioned it and how talented those teams were. And you and I talk about this once a year, always around black Tuesday, (laughs) still to this day, maybe the most impressive dive I've ever seen done was when Tyler did front four and a half in Mansfield, Texas. And he (laughs) went up into his hurdle and he was running in the air came back down and went long on front four and a half. I'm like, who is this freak? And how the heck did he just do that? And he, he always had moments like that though. Every nationals, like he would do something where you would just watch him jump. And you're like, I don't know what that kid's eating in his free time, but I need that. Like, I don't know what you guys feed people up in Minnesota, but we need a little bit of that in Pennsylvania. Cause that kid could jump and flip so fast. Oh. Talk about being nervous. Try calling him out of a <laughs> four and a half. Or, Good luck. I mean, he spins so fast that you're like, oh, dear God, please let my brain <laughs> work right now. Yes. Yes. I still I still say that to my divers. I go, I might miss, like, I try to do my best and be accurate with my calls, but every now and then I miss one. I'm like, that's on me. Like, it's 100% my fault. And then I'll just look at him and I'm like, sometimes you got to be better than the call. You got to make up for my mistakes from time to time. <laughs> but yeah, Tyler was a freak. Like I, that will, I, that will forever be a great memory I have from watching the St. Cloud divers. Yes. Yeah, so next one here, Tracy, outside of the pool, how does your diving experience play into those other aspects uh, such as, you know, being a mother, being a wife, a teacher, all those fun things. Oh, you know, that was probably one of my 
favorite things about having raising a family and having a family outside being that diving family. Um, you know, my kids grew up on the pool deck and they had, you know, I don't know if you would call them brothers and sisters on the team or, you know, extended family members, but I, it was one big family. Like I, I love my fam, my close knit family, my husband and my two kids, like we're a unit, right? But I also have a family outside of that, that I absolutely love like my own. And those are my athletes. And when they can merge together, my life is just so fulfilled. And so often, I mean, I say this, gosh, probably 50 times, a, 50 times a year, I'm, I say to myself, how can I make sure my kids turn out like these guys? And, um, you know, it's, I meet so many wonderful individuals as a coach with so many wonderful traits. And I, I think that has helped me as a mom um, because I, you know, I kind of get ideas on how I want my kids to turn out and, and it helps me raise them. But in addition to that, like my kids grow up on the deck, they see what life is like after high school and they have, you know, there's no doubt they're going to go to college. There's no doubt they're going to play sports. There's, you know, to them, that's just what you do. You, you know, there's, there's not another option. And they're so excited for that opportunity. And because they've, they've got some mentors that, um, you know, have those that are living their dream and, you know, they have those expectations now. And, um, you know, Jeremy, my husband is so respectful of my love for coaching and we sacrifice a lot as a family. Um, but he sees the way it fulfills my life that, um, you know, it just, it, it's one big circle. And, and I think without any one of those things, uh, my life just wouldn't be complete, but I, I love, I love that my family can intermix with my diving family and, and we all learn something different with that. that that's awesome. Um, I'm really excited for this answer as well. Aaron, Aaron your, uh, your teammates came up with some good questions. Is, uh, you know, being a Division One athlete for four years and then coaching at the Division Two level and now at the Division Three level, I would love to hear, like, what is – how do you compare them? What do you see as the differences – um, I think this is a question that we've gotten a lot of rece positive reception from our listeners hearing about the division two, division three settings. Um, so I'm really, we're, we're curious to hear your answer for that. Sure. So, I mean, remember my diving career was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I would say I chose, I chose division one for the diving and, and for the coach. And I didn't necessarily pick the school because of what they had academically to offer. I was more driven for my choice because of the coach and the diving career that was ahead of me. Um, and I think in big picture, I kind of think that's the difference between division one and division two and three is, you know, you kind of pick the school for the diving career and not so much the academic career. Whereas I think division two, you kind of have both aspects in mind is, um, you know, you're really driven for that diving career, but you also have like, okay, what about after that? I, you know, I kind of, I need to make sure it's a good fit all around. Um, you know, going back to division one, we traveled 
almost every weekend. We had morning, afternoon, and evening practices a lot of time. I didn't get to join any clubs or any sororities or really anything on top of my career. That It was academics and it was sports, and that was pretty much it. Um, I think in Division Two, you have a little bit more of an option to um, kind of go outside the team and do some club activities or some different adventures, I guess, in your college life. Um, and then Division Three, you know, I think it's really driven by academics. And then if it works, diving fits in really nicely. Um, the nice thing about Division Three is there's um, there's a lot of no contact periods. So they have a lot of break from diving, which gives them the chance to kind of do some other things. Um, you know, as a coach, I can't coach them after the season ends until it starts again. We don't have any summer training. Um, that's a no contact period for me. So it gives them a chance to really focus on school and internships and whatever else. And, um, you know, they pick up again in the fall and we have another no contact period for almost the entire month of December. So the contact period is definitely different for division three than it is for division two or one. So I don't know if that, I, I, I think that those are great. The, the diving ability, I don't think fluctuates much. I think there's phenomenal talent in all three divisions and if you would attend a national championship in all three divisions, you'd be blown away. Um, I just think it's kind of the the way you look at where your career is headed. So absolutely agree. Great, great summarization of all those. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. There's there's always good diving no matter where you look. You know, obviously division one, if you're at the top level, you're you're likely competing for an Olympic spot. And then at the top of division two and three. I mean, those, those divers are unbelievable at both levels. And it's, it's not a knock to say, well, I, I kind of want to go division two. I want to go division three. Um, a lot of times, you know, we've said it before. We feel like some people think it's D one or bust. Well, there's a bunch of D two schools that can outperform division one schools and D three that can outperform not only division two, but maybe some division one schools. And it's just cool to, to hear that firsthand from you as well. Um, Back again to your diving career. I know you were a fair twister. That was, uh, if I recall, probably one of your better categories. Question here is, what dive do you hope to be able to do for the rest of your life? I think that's super funny because there's not much I can do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, you know, at alumni meets, uh, my my glory dives are probably full twisting one and a half. Um, you know, I like to show off reverse dive because I think for so many people, that's still like the fear category, you know, the one category that people just are so, always so nervous about. And I can, I can honestly say, yeah, I'm, I'm old as dirt and I can still do it. <laughs> um, but and most people won't appreciate this dive, but I think the older people, um, if you can still do it, I think forward dive half twist straight is still probably one of the most pretty dives ever done when done correct. And that was that was a dive uh, I used to do pretty well. So I still pull that dive out. <laughs> and then, nice. I like that. Nice. 
Um, you know, and so now going back kind of transitioning from, uh, from high school coaching to college coaching, what were your initial thoughts whenever you first took the St. Cloud state job and how did they compare to what you had hoped or expected throughout your, um, your six year stint there? So I have to tell you a funny story. Um, before I actually accepted the St. Cloud state position, um, the head coach, Jeff Hagley had asked me to do it a few years back. And I told him it just wasn't the right time. I was kind of in a career change and, and I didn't know this, but he doesn't say goodbye when he's on the phone with someone. He, when the conversation is over, he just kind of hangs up. And so I thought he had hung up on me when I said I wasn't going to be able to do it. So then a, a few years later, when the position opens again, and I'm actually interested in, it, I'm like, well, he hung up on me a few years ago. Like, how is this conversation going to go? Come to find out he just isn't somebody that typically says goodbye when he talks to you on the phone. So uh, I, I did learn that later on and he knows this story, but <laughs> um, so when I, when I decided to take the position at St. Cloud State, um, you know, Nate Jimerson, Ross Iden, Kelsey Berglund, like they were, um, they were already national competitors. Nate Jimerson was already a national champion. So, you know, Hegley said, you're walking in already as a coach of a national champion. So, you know, you've got it made. However, all of these divers are graduating. So you're going to have a huge recruiting list. So at first, when I came in, you know, they had already an established program. They had a coach who they had had for a, a large number of years. And Nate Brisley is still one of the greatest coaches I think I've ever known. Um, and he created a phenomenal program. But I think at first they looked at me as someone who uh, was replacing Nate instead of, you know, like I we had, we had trouble connecting at first, just because it was, it was a huge transition for them. Um, and it, once we got past that, uh, it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, it, they were an incredibly talented crew. I think Nate and I coached a little bit different, so they had to adjust to that. Um, and I had to adjust to them because their caliber was intense and, you know, they had more experience than I do at, than I did at the time at the division two level. So I had to learn as much from them as they had to learn from me. So it was definitely a transition year. Um, but you know, I jumped right in and luckily I didn't drown. I, <laughs> I treaded water that year. And, um, I think, you know, I, we, we did well. I mean, they invited me to their wedding. So hopefully that's a good sign. Right. Cause that's, yes, <laughs> that means you've made the connection, but um, no, they're phenomenal people that I still keep in touch with on, you know, a daily basis, but it was, I would say it was rough for, for both of both the diving squad and me as a co new coach, just to, to make that transition and, and uh, that connection with them. But once I was able to recruit um, and kind of create then a program all my own, um, that was, it, you know, it's easier. And I think Keith, maybe you can connect with this is, you know, you've the, the new divers that you walk into coach, they just mold to your style. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the coach, the divers that 
have already been there for a number of years and are used to a certain system and and the way things have run, you know, it's an adjustment period and yeah. not positive or negative. It's just, mm-hmm. it's an adjustment just period until it's you can just roll. different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when I had to start all over, it was almost a blessing just for everybody to um, kind of roll with it. So that's great. Um, I loved it. I love everything St. Cloud State stands for. I love how their program is run. I love the type of individuals that come out of that program. Um, you know, I think, I think the swimming and diving community just in general is, is a special crew. You know, yeah. we all have the same mindset. So. For sure. So when I was on the team, we took our training trips to Hawaii. Uh, question that came in here was, what's your favorite Hawaii memory? So you might have to help me with this one, Aaron, but, All right. um, you know, like my favorite memories are the backflips on the sand. And that was back in the day when I could still do backflips. So I could join them in the backflips in the sand. Yes. Um, and, and our, you know, sunset team pictures, like all those moments were the best for me. Um, I feel like I can still hear the conversations and the laughs that happened on those nights, you know? Um, but yeah, as far as, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know there's one specific story you want me to tell. So um, we, you gotta go there. You have to, this is the greatest <laughs> moment ever pretty, in my pretty good. career. <laughs> oh gosh. So, you know, the guys on the team, they were, they were, they were amazing, right? They had great personalities. Um, Aaron, Tyler, Luke, Chris, there was just, there's a good, they're a good crew. Um, And when we trained at the University of Hawaii, there was, there were swimmers that we got to uh, look at from, or they got to look at, not me, but from the three meter stand. And there was some distraction there with how good looking some of those female swimmers were in their swimsuits. Um, And sometimes we got off task, right? Well, Tyler was supposed to learn a new dive and it was it what was it Aaron it was, was a, it it was a full, full out. out or double out full out full out yeah okay so Tyler was a little nervous but he was definitely able to do it and he was maybe a little distracted but we were trying to get him to do this dive and it was towards the end of practice and I'm kind of more of an encouraging coach, not so much mean, because they were pretty self-motivated and they, you know, kind of led each other or pushed each other to be their best. But uh, Tyler was, he was just not going to do the dive. And uh, we were waiting there for a long time and he was stuck up there. And um, I think at this point he came down to me, didn't he? Or was he still on three meter? Do you remember? Him? Yeah. Well, the crazy thing about this whole thing is I think he actually did it on one meter first and then he was scared to do it on three. And, and so that's where all of this accumulated like Tyler, please buddy, just come on. Yeah. So time is clicking and I'm getting a little frustrated because I know he should be doing the dive and he's just, his brain just isn't letting him. So I turned to him and I said, Tyler, do the fucking dive. (laughs) And I don't swear very often. He looked at me with wide eyes, 
turned around, walked up to three meter and did it on the first jump. So sometimes you got to just do what you got to do. It was so amazing because like Tracy said, she is the most encouraging, always there for you. So nice. Want her to fly. And before he goes up there, Tracy looks at all of us and she goes, all right, guys, pack up. We're leaving. Tyler's not doing it. We're going to leave. He's going to stay here and we're going to leave. And we're all like, oh my gosh, she's serious. Like she's actually really serious right now. So we're like at the gates on the way out the door. And then we hear her yelling at him to do the dive. Yes. And of course he, he ends up doing it and he was fine. He probably went long knowing Tyler, yes. but it was just like, whoa, the one time in, in, any memory of me of Tracy, it was like, okay, she, she can flip that switch every once in a while. It was good to see it. It was nice. <laughs> it, it sounds exact. Like I tell people all the time, like yelling is, I was like, you know, you always hear the analogy, like you put those, those coaching tools in your toolbox. I'm like, yelling is the sledgehammer. It only works very so often and not for all jobs, but it worked yeah. for that job. <laughs> That's And awesome. I would say I, I need to kind of like, I want everybody to know, I'm sorry that I said that swear word. And Tyler and I had a really good moment afterwards. There were no hard feelings, no, <laughs> no relationships hurt in that process, yeah. but you're right. Heath. like, there's some people that respond to, yep. you know, encouragement and pats on the back. And some people need to do it for themselves. Some people need space and and some people need those harsh, like, come on, you're better than this. Get your butt up there and do it now. And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges as a coach uh, is to find the way that diver clicks. And once yep. you find that and you can help them through all those moments, uh, that's, that's when you feel that success. Yeah, I agree. Um, so now kind of transitioning uh, from a story about you and Tyler to uh you know, Aaron got to ask this story, ask this question of my high school coach. So do you have a good Aaron story that you can share with us? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I do need to start out by saying, um, I'm not sure that you know this Heath, but Aaron is a YouTube sensation. Did you know that? Oh no, oh, no. But we're going to find it and it's going on Instagram for oh, sure. No. Oh no. So Aaron, Aaron was Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber was Justin Bieber. Just what? saying. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what do I need to search on YouTube for this? No, is really the question. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot this video exists. <laughs> so oh, no. when, when Aaron used to come to uh, Soccer Rapids before he graduated for some private lessons and club lessons, um, someone had told me that Aaron had some YouTube videos out there and I had no idea that Aaron was such a performer is on those <laughs> videos, but he is a dancer. He's a singer. He is, he is amazing. So make sure if you can get a hold of them, you should post them on your Instagram if at all possible. Yes. <laughs> oh, I am so mortified. I did not know where that question was going to go. And I was not prepared for that answer. <laughs> I am going to be searching all night for these videos now. So that oh, gives me something no. so enjoyable to do. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But, but I will say that turned into probably one of my, what I would say is Aaron's best quality as an, as an athlete and a teammate is his positivity and love for life. Like this guy 
loves diving. He loves life. He loves being a teammate. He loves everything about just being in the moment. And he can make light of every situation. He can make fun of every situation. And I mean, that's everything you want in a teammate, you know, and everything you want in a diver as a coach. We had so many just fun and great moments. And, you know, I'm, my divers are my kids, right? So I'm pretty, I'm pretty honest with them. And, and I want to create, you know, well-rounded beings, not just athletes. And um, I would say, so we had a tradition where the divers always came over to my house and we tie-dyed chamois and we had chili. My husband would make chili. And when Aaron first came um, over to our house, he was like, Ooh, I, I don't eat chili. That's I, I don't, I don't really like beans and I don't like vegetables. And, and (laughs) I said, Aaron, you know, just health wise, the more colorful your food is, the better it is for you. And his comment to me was, Aaron, do you remember this? I do. (laughs) Do Skittles count? That was his comment. Nothing about (laughs) that surprises me. No, Skittles do not count. (laughs) Nice. So, so my, my goal for, for Aaron and my relationship was to get him to eat healthier. And I will tell you, he updates me on a regular basis about how healthy he eats. So nice. and I think you like chili now, don't you? I do like chili. And not only that, I eat a whole lot better and healthier. I actually enjoy salad and there's a lot of green things on salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. This is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so um, last question before we kind of jump into our signature questions is um, what common mistakes do you see young coaches making and how can young coaches do a little bit better to get involved in the sport of coaching? So that transition from athlete to coach, what, what common mistakes do you see and how can we help young coaches be a little bit better in the future? I would say the number one thing that just makes my skin crawl is when um, an athlete, especially in a high school season, um, an athlete joins who you know is extremely talented and catches on really fast. And the coach gives them an 11 dive list like in the first two weeks of their diving career um, without teaching them any technique whatsoever. And it, it just makes my heart hurt because you know that they're, they're going to end up injuring themselves or hitting the board or not progressing the way they should. And not because they're not talented, but because they don't have the background before they started learning all the big dives. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake that young coaches get is you get excited so fast that you want to just go, 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 but you have to take a deep breath and teach those fundamentals long before you can teach them the big dives. Um, I would also encourage one of the best things I did when I started getting into coaching was um, shadowing other coaches and not just in my area, but I actually worked at camp in Texas and I got to shadow, you know, a number of different coaches that were there. And I just, I took notes on dry land exercises and core exercises and plyometrics and, and drills and, you know, coaching techniques and just 
I, I learned so much and, you know, sometimes we get stuck in our own little world and we think, you know, we know it all, but there's so much more out there. So, you know, I, I would just encourage people, you know, a lot of times camps are looking for coaches to come out. So, you know, you could get paid to go and coach and learn a ton from other coaches. So another thing on that note, um, I mentioned in the sideline scout, add there that the uh that we had a coach here on thursday that coach also asked me hey are there any camps or or things in the summer that i can do to join and just like observe coaches and what i told her i said if there's a destination you want to go or a coach you want to see or really anything i would just reach out a lot of times those coaches they're very receptive to at least answering questions but, but so much more frequently, if you just ask nicely, like we've been doing on this podcast, people will say, yes, come on down, come join me. Um, you know, if, if, if you wanted to just be a fly on the wall, absolutely. So that's kind of what I told her and similar to what you're saying, Tracy, so many people are just willing to help. And, you know, I just, like you said, sometimes we just get wrapped up in our own little world that you don't go seek that, that learning experience. And it, probably should happen. I'm, I'm always looking to learn more from a whole bunch of different people. And, you know, early on in anybody's career, mine included, that's always helpful. Um, before we get into the signature questions, I added one here. Uh, I, I apologize if it throws you off a little bit, Tracy, but we talked extensively with Luke Weber a couple of weeks ago about that national title um, and changing the dive from 405b to 407c i'm just curious your side of that and what went into that decision and how you were able to you know talk luke through it and and with him about that and what was going on from your perspective yeah you know i don't think luke ever thought he would be a national champion on three meter i think if you would have ever asked him where his strengths lie it would have been one meter um and he had you know, he had practiced that inward three and a half a few times. It was pretty inconsistent, but it was a big dive. And when he came up to me before that dive and he said, what do you think? I just remember saying, I can't make, I can't be the one to make that decision for you. Like it's gotta be your decision and I support you either way. No regrets. And I think at that time, Luke was more calm than I was. Like, I think I was like convulsing. I was so nervous. I just could not control it. I was shaking so bad. And I wanted this so bad for him because the year prior, you know, like it was one of those worst and best moments as a coach when you have one diver win the title and the other one lose it by, you know, tenths of a point or whatever, you know, and, and you know, he wanted it, you know, And really it could have gone either way. And that's when, you know, I wanted him to make that, that decision. And I'm glad he did because I really think he would have regretted it if he didn't, but I didn't want to make that decision for him. And I just remember him walking up there and changing it. And I was so nervous. And all I could do was just say a little prayer, like, God, just let this go the way you intended to go. Like, let let's end on a positive note. He, you know, let's, let's do this. And it, it, 
in my mind, my memory, it was like the best moment ever. I don't even remember exactly how good the dive was, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just remember it. It You just, you want it so bad for your athletes sometimes. And when that comes together for them and you can see it happen, it's just, it's why you coach. It's yeah. Why, why you're there. So yeah, like I said, I don't remember the score. I don't remember, you know, the point total. I just, I remember that moment of, yep, it worked. It worked. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we will get into the signature questions now. I ask everybody, what is your favorite failure or best learning experience? We had a sports psychologist on. She said, maybe rephrase that what's the best opportunity for growth? And I like that, you know, failure has such a negative undertone, but in reality, the way that I treat failure is just, again, a learning experience, a way to grow, a way to get better. So what was an example of that for you? So my biggest opportunity for growth uh, was my uh, eighth grade year of I was in, I had qualified for the state meet and I was so excited, but I had never been to the U of M before. And so for someone who had never been there and I walked in, it was a massive natatorium and phenomenal divers that I freaked out and I got dead last place with a five dive score of 72.1 points. And I had the lowest record ever for the last place at the state meet for 22 years. And, um, I tell that story often because in the moment I thought it was the worst day of my life. Right. And I was so embarrassed and I was mortified. Um, and I, nobody told me that I had the lowest score ever until, you know, <laughs> I don't even know if it was the next year or when it was, but, um, you know, at the time I thought my life was over and I didn't deserve to be there. And I, and, and then I thought about it and then I decided I'm going back and I'm going to redeem myself. And I think, I think that's a good story for everyone to hear because, you know, yeah, I, I turned into be a, you know, national all American and qualified for trials. And, you know, like there's a growth there and I could have given up. I could have been so mortified that I didn't want to move forward. And, and everyone has those moments and it's how you deal with those moments that, that make you the better person. So it was embarrassing and it has since been broken, but I held it for a good 20 plus years. I think my highest score was a two on a forward dive. Um, so, you know, there, yeah, it was pretty bad, but I looked at it and I couldn't, I, I was just so overwhelmed that it took everything out of me. And, and, uh, but luckily I came back and, and learned from it. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next one here. I usually ask if somebody's in the USA diving world, what can USA diving do to improve? Um, you happen to be both in the NCAA and the high school world. So the question for you would just be, how can those entities improve? What can we do, whether it's, you know, changing things here and there, just gaining more stability, gaining more knowledge, what can, you know, high school setting and NCAA, what can they do to improve? 
you know, I love the NCAA. I love everything it stands for. I think they do a phenomenal job of, of supporting the swimming and diving community. I wish, though, that we could take some of the financial burden off universities for diving specific. You know, I mean, there's so many colleges that are dropping their diving programs because of the financial burden, but yet, you know, you wouldn't drop a 500 free or you wouldn't drop a, you know, a swimming event because it doesn't have its financial burden. And I think if we could eliminate some of those, you know, the travel expenses, like for example, you know, I have two athletes that qualified for the regional meet. So we have to fly us three out to Michigan for three days to try to qualify for nationals. And, you know, there's not a lot of universities that have that funding available and, that's a bummer that we have to do that. And some universities will say no because they can't afford it. So if we could eliminate some of that financial burden that diving specifically takes on to the swimming and diving um, college, you know, the, the, the teams, I think it would, it would help grow diving and it wouldn't put such a negative taste in swim coaches mouths. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have the answer either. So right. I just, I, I just wish, I, I wish it would be easier. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now kind of switching gears, what's your favorite drill to do with your athletes? You know, I would consider myself a technical coach. Um, so for high school, we still do a ton of like those USA basic drills like dominoes off the side of the pool, you know, the straight body jumps, tuck jumps, pike jumps with and without arm circles, um, half twist tee outs, like just those simple things, but we do them every day. And we do them in, in my words, to perfection. Like you want to do them as perfectly as your body can manage. Um, because once that's a habit, then it follows up on the diving board. So I, I really go to basics with my divers, um, especially high school kiddos who are just starting. Uh, we do do a lot of spotting drills. I don't let them close their eyes <laughs> at all. I'm like, you have to learn. You've got to figure this out before we can progress to anything bigger. Um, but for college, I would say my biggest tool is visualization right now. And I think now more than ever, um, you know, just being able to uh, meditate and put yourself into stressful situations and learn how to cope with them. And it, just the whole idea of self-coping skills and walking yourself through it mentally um, is strong for both diving and life. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, kind of blame COVID a little bit, but I think stresses on, on athletes right now is, is intense and it's hard for them to handle everything that's going on. Um, you know, the world stopped a few years ago and then now we're in full swing and they're trying to figure out how to be back at school full time. And some of them are working jobs and now diving and co competing again. And, and I think just taking a step back and just deep breathing and then creating a a situation where you're walking yourself through successfully um, is just a very powerful tool. So visualization is definitely my go-to. Um, and, you know, 
we still go back to the basics. I, I love board work drills. I love um, just basic stuff. Love it. Love it. So what is the best advice you have either given and or received? Um, I would say the best advice ever given is your team and you will be remembered more on their character than on their success. And I think, you know, Heath, if you would look at the St. Claude State team, yeah, they were powerful, but you definitely... Um, like their team unity and their, you know, outlook on life and the fun they had. And, and I think that's going to follow with us a lot more than, than scores or places or titles. Um, and that's, I think my goal as a coach is just to, to, to coach the whole individual and not just the diver. Um, so, Yeah. I love it. I'm like writing it down as you said it. Cause I liked it so much <laughs> and my divers will hear that tomorrow at practice. So that's awesome. Um, that's, that's wonderful. So, and, uh, my last question is who would you like to hear us interview next? Well, I am borderline obsessed with Sarah Bacon. So, uh, I just saw a post that she said today about, um, self-discipline is the best love you can give yourself or something. And I just, I, I love her. Um, especially, you know, her comeback story of, you know, wanting to do it again after, you know, a tough, tough trials. Um, and you know, I'm a Minnesota person, so I, I would love if you could interview Wenbo or Mike Hilber. Um, you know, he's been around the university of Minnesota diving program for so long, been through a number of different coaches, but, you know, they've created some amazing divers, Olympians, um, and program in general. So that would be cool. Um, Kenny, I mean, that would be amazing. I don't know. I think, you know, you guys have done a great job of picking a crew right now. So, or so far. So, um, that just could be to everybody. Okay. Yeah. Come on. We'll schedule it. We don't yeah. turn anybody away. Really? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I love it. Love it. I, uh, funny story. I, I really hope we can get Sarah Bacon on this podcast, but, uh, we were down at the girls state meet and she was warming up just prior to, you know, finals for state or, or whatever it was. And she was on deck and I looked down there and I was like, Hey girls, that's, that's Sarah Bacon. And they're like, what? No way. And so as she was going into the girls team room, she kind of crosses in front of where our staging area is for our team. And I was walking towards the diving well, and she was walking towards me and I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, I'm going to say something. I got to say something. And so I saw her and I just said, Sarah, you can do this. You are amazing. Keep pushing. And I like totally blacked out and I had a fangirl moment because I like you am very, very excited for her. And the fact that she's in Minnesota and diving well, I mean, I've seen her post so many back two and a half pikes that like, I'm just convinced she doesn't miss that dive. Gosh, it's, she's, she's such a beautiful diver and she has dedicated herself to the sport for so long and has had, you know, some rough times, but she just perseveres. And I think that is just so inspiring for the diving community in general. You know, it, 
it doesn't just always happen to people. You ha- you got to work your butt off for it. And she is a true example of that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Very true. Well, before we go, if anybody else is out there listening, uh, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. Again, check our link tree in our bio on Instagram. It has a link to cowingrobards.com. Uh, t-shirts and hoodies are for sale. Just enter dive pod at checkout there. And now uh, once again, I just wanted to say thank you to Tracy, uh, my mentor, one of my biggest idols in the diving world. So fun to have you on and just to be able to talk to you, call you a friend. It, it, occasionally we're on a diving judging panel together, which is super fun for me too. Um, so yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, it's my pleasure guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We will see you next time.